journey. It's time to talk with Liz and Peter. Good morning, my love. Good morning. Hello, how are you? I'm doing all right. All right. How are you? I'm all right, too. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Um, just waking up, having a good time. Played some chess last night, so I'm feeling a little hungover. Chess Wait, always makes me no feel sense. like that. <laughs> chess, chess does that to me. It just like takes so much out of me in terms of nutrients and water that, uh, you know, after I play a few games of chess, I feel a little dehydrated and hungover. I think you've got it confused. I played chess with you last night. I'm not hungover. Oh, man, you must play a lot of chess. <laughs> built up a tolerance? Yeah, you built up a tolerance for chess. Oh, my gosh. I'm really excited because our cat, Mr. Rihanna, uh, is slowly finding out what the chessboard is. And by that, I mean he really doesn't give a shit, and he just runs through the middle of it. So, good job, Mr. Rihanna. Did he run through the middle of the board? Some He has a couple times already, yeah. But he does it so skillfully that he doesn't touch any of the pieces because he's a bad Mr. Boy. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah, he comes up to my coffee and puts his face, like, almost in it, and then he sniffs it, and then he runs through the chess pieces. He's also been sniffing the chess set and the chess box because Peter just brought it up from the basement, Mm -hmm. and I guess he's had this chess set since he was, like, nine years old. And so it hadn't been touched since childhood. And so we unpacked it and played with it last night. And so the cats were sniffing it. I'm sure it smells like, I don't know, whatever cats can smell decades later. But So um, this, this chess piece, or this chess set, rather, is so old. It used to sit up here when I had cats, before the cats that we have now. And those cats, yeah, in in my childhood, and those cats have passed away, the childhood cats. And so, but they also used to run around everywhere and get their smell and everything. And one of them used to pee on stuff. And I'm pretty sure that she peed on this box, but like 10 years ago. And so I think that our cats can smell our 10 year old pee cat box thing. So, yeah. Uh, blast from the past for the little cats. And this brings us to our topic for the day, which is, um, well, ch- like, essentially it's foods from our childhood. Yeah, hey, you really barreled through that just then. <laughs> Noth- nothing could stop you from getting it out. <laughs> Doesn't matter how long it took or how painful it was, you are getting that out, weren't you? I never claimed to be eloquent or anything. All right, so childhood foods. <laughs> I think we got on this topic because we just finished a show called Midnight Diner, and it was a show before Netflix, but Netflix picked it up, put some money behind it, made another season. So it's in two installments. The first three seasons are on Netflix under the name Midnight Diner. The last season is under the name Midnight Diner colon Tokyo Stories. It's a Japanese show. Yeah, it's a Japanese show, but it, it it's also had Chinese remakes, Korean remakes. It's basically if you're a major nation in Southeast Asia, if you don't have a version of Midnight Diner, you're broke as fuck, and you probably deserve to feel bad about yourself. So if you're in Southeast Asian country that doesn't have Midnight Diner yet, 
feel bad about yourself. If you're a citizen of one of those nations, feel bad about yourself. Your country hasn't done enough culturally to deserve Midnight Diner. Uh, change it. Just like get up off your ass and change it because you broke. So the gist of Midnight Diner is that there is a diner that runs from midnight to 7 a.m. And the chef there will cook whatever you ask him to cook as long as he has the ingredients or you bring him some. So that being said, it's actually a really heartfelt show. The writing is really vulnerable and wholesome and... And really tight. And really tight. And every episode, maybe not every but I'd say 70% of the episodes, I probably tear up or cry, something like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the episodes center around foods that people ate in their childhood or that remind them of something relating to their parents or one of their loved ones. Or, or a past lover. Or a past lover or a past life or an aspiration. It really goes in a ton of different directions. I would argue that it's all the episodes have that tie. They all have that tie, but I'd say maybe 7 out of 10 really get the waterworks going in terms of tears, because it's just that good. And it's based off of a manga that is long running. I don't know if it's still running now, but it ran long enough for it to get four TV shows, uh, or four seasons of a TV show. So. And I love it because it's just like you know, this guy, the chef, master, who's like the nucleus of the show, but he's he's the strong, silent type. Barely talks. Barely talks. He's the type of guy everyone wishes they could tell their problems to. Kind of like in the U.S., like how we have that uh, stereotype of like that quiet bartender who just like listens to all of his patrons' woes. He's a priest. He's a therapist. He's a friend. Yeah, that type of figure. And... You can tell he has genuine care and affection for his customers and interest in their lives, but it's a quiet interest. It's not an intrusive interest. And the stories are just, it's like there's this cast of characters that you come to know over the seasons. Like the same people kind of come in the diner, but the episodes are not always focused on them. So you begin to you begin to have this familiarity with not just the diner location, but like the different individuals in the background, which is really cool. Like during an episode about one character, Peter might be like, oh, look, in the corner, there's the lady that eats this, you know. So that was a really fun aspect. And yeah, so everybody gets basically one episode in terms of character development, but then they just sort of show up over and over again. Yeah, it's beautiful. The end of the last couple seasons they do a New Year's episode where... <laughs> yeah, I love that look that you just gave me. Um, where all of the episode, Or, sorry, rather, all of the characters get back together. And, I don't know, it's just really... I gave him that look because I don't like spoilers. And in case ever, anyone wants to watch it, I don't want to... Really... I didn't spoil shit. I didn't give away any parts of the story. Nobody knows what's up. <laughs> All right, so that being said, go watch Midnight Diner. It's the shit. I love it. It's uh, a quiet story. Like It's not like action-packed, like one scene quickly moves into the next. It's very like, it almost reads like, how would you describe it? I think of it as like reading a play. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of slow in the sense that there's not a lot of action, but what happens is really impactful. And it's like very human, human story led. It's and al- driven. it's almost like a soap opera without the overacting, you know, without the, the well. I'm craziness. sorry, but there's a lot of people like freakishly crying into their food because they're so. Have you never <laughs> cried into your food? Has yours like slurping noodles just like scream crying in a corner and like i've definitely scream cried while slurping noodles no doubt about it i've scream cried while eating cake (laughs) (laughs) who can have the more pathetic eating story (laughs) no you got it you win i could go toe-to-toe with the best i I understand that you're gonna probably start crying into your coffee any moment and yeah we're we're never gonna get through this episode Okay, so there's our endorsement of Midnight Diner. It's the shit. Watch it. If you don't, you suck. And stop abusing the listeners. Like I'm feeling pretty abusive this morning. You are. I can tell. All right, real topic now. What was it? Foods from our childhood. I just wanted to because Midnight Diner really emphasizes like almost centers around the food. In a really beautiful way. And for the record, I learned that they have an actual chef on set. And the actors are truly eating his food, or his or her food, um, throughout the show. You could say their. Their food. I think I said his because Master's a male. um, And he's the cook. So I just, I don't know why I made that connection. but Could be mistress, you never know. The actors are actually eating their food and um i just thought that was really beautiful so like yeah the show centers around the food so it made like i've just noticed as we were watching the various seasons peter and i would be commenting oh like this is what i used to eat growing up and maybe we would try to make it again or we would try a food that they were eating on the show um so i just thought we could take some time to reminisce a little bit on foods we used to eat when we were little you or wanna, foods that have memories attached to them. You want to go first or you want me to go first? You go first, my love. All right, so I thought about this last night. I did not have to think very long. Chicken marsala from a jar. My jaw kind of dropped a little bit. What? Oh. 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 Tell me. Tell me more. Chicken marsala from a jar. Jaw dropping. <laughs> Absolutely brain destroyed. Tell me more. We moved past Galaxy Brain and just went into a pink mist. Pink? Well, because it used to be like blood and Gross. matter and stuff, but now it's just poof. Gross. Okay. Hit a pink mist. Tell me more about this jarred chicken masala. It is the flavor of my childhood. Where did you find it? I don't know that they make it anymore. I really had to think back to what it was and i had to do a little googling to figure out the exact name but yeah chicken marsala not masala like the indian food chicken marsala which is a it's kind of like a mushroomy gravy type of sauce Uh uh-huh and but it goes over like chicken and i i remember my family used to always have it with rice it was always a chicken rice and the chicken would have marsala sauce on it and marsala sauce is like I don't know, like a light gravy with mushrooms and onions, but it's got this savory flavor that's kind of delicate, 
almost. And I just remember when my parents used to live in an apartment before they got the house, we would eat that like once a month at least, where there would always be, you know, really cheap chicken, rice, marsala sauce out of the jar. And I don't think I've seen marsala sauce in a jar in 15 years, 20 years. I don't know that they still make it. Okay. So it's not that they're... So I was envisioning... The reason my jaw dropped, I was envisioning, like, chicken drumsticks in this jar, and it was in... Like, <laughs> it With the sauce in there, too, no. and you were, like, pouring out of the jar, and, like, no. chicken legs are coming out, and, no, like, the sauce no, no, no. is coming out, and I was kind of like, like, ew! No, you, you buy the chicken breast separate, and you, you either <laughs> bake you, or pan fry or whatever. Do you whatever. at least see why I... Yeah, re- you're a psychopath. <laughs> like, you just don't... Like, if you don't know something, you're immediately thinking of, like... The most what do you, what do you even call that? The, horrifying. Yeah, most horrifying, grossest way of eating. Like no, here's the thing. We just we just had chicken feet out the jar. You know, like where they put a bunch of chicken feet in the jar and they pickle them. Are you joking? And then you eat them like the feet meat. Are you joking? Is that a joke? I think it's a joke. Do I look like I'm fucking joking right now? Cause I am. Oh my gosh! Got me again. Got her again. So yeah, chicken marsala out the out the jar, and if we find a jar of it, I'm sure it's still good because it's probably preserved and you know like, in jar stuff. I'd eat it. <laughs> Actually, we should make that some you night for dinner. Not it's picky. good. No, we could uh, surprise your mom. She probably wouldn't even fucking know. She wouldn't even understand what it was. Mm. Well, that's really cool that you remembered that. Yeah, yeah, I remember the, you know how when something gets preserved, it sometimes gets a little rubbery? Uh-huh. The mushrooms in the marsala were a little rubbery, but for some reason I still associate that with good tasting stuffs. My love, you are not persuading me to want to try this, but you are making me grateful for your memory. Hey, when you're a poor kid, or I guess like a working class kid... You just eat whatever is put in front of you. Like you're yeah. just happy to have food. Yeah. Chicken, uh, rice, marsala sauce. That I can't imagine they spent more than ten dollars to feed the whole family making that. Yeah. Because you know you're buying what cheap cuts of chicken, rice, one can or one jar of sauce. You know, it's just you're reminding me of another topic that we kind of talk about on occasion, which is like working class families feeding themselves and how they make dollars and food stretch. Oh yeah. And the types of foods you you eat when you are working class as opposed to in a in a like in a more like managerial class family. Yeah, I got marsala out the can. Somebody else was eating marsala cooked by somebody's mom. Right. All right, cool. so you, what about you with your childhood feed? So that ties in to mine a little bit. Because, so I have, I have a couple that I'm thinking of. One's tied to my mom and one's tied to my dad. And my mom's still alive. My dad passed away in 2015. Uh, my mom's an immigrant. She's from Kenya. And she's been here for like 35 years in the States. But my dad's like Native American and black. And uh, grew up here in Oklahoma. And so from my mom... She, I grew up eating Kenyan food, 
on the reg, like very regularly, especially when we were really young. I have so many memories of eating Kenyan food. It was just kind of like a staple the way maybe in some families like casseroles are just on the reg on the menu or things like that. For us, it was just Kenyan food. So that's like ugali, which is this like cornmeal. Um, I can't really describe it, but it's like cornmeal and then greens that are sauteed on the, the stovetop, sauteed greens uh, with chunks of meat in them or carrots, carrots and meat in the greens. So we'd eat the greens and ugali and a side of bread that my mom would bake fresh. No, sorry, it wasn't baked bread. It was fried bread. Um, very, like, different to naan, naan bread, but, like, in a similar vein. We called it Kenyan bread, but I don't know the actual name of it. But, I mean, it makes me hungry when I think of them. They were delicious, and, yeah. So that was kind of on my mom's side. Real quick, this whole episode's fucking me up because it's 6.43 in the morning, and we're talking about all kinds of different food that I've eaten most of this now. I'm fucking hungry. I'm so hungry. This is just teasing me. I know. And talking about the greens and the meat and the. Neither of us. Yeah, Peter's had some of this food uh, with I just want goat bites. Goat bites. Yeah. Goats. Eating goat is a, like, it's um, kind of like in the U.S. how you eat turkey on special occasions or holidays or something, even though turkey's not that great. After eating Kenyan food, all goats are my enemy. I just see. Goat stacks bites. of bites. So yeah. they're not actually called goat bites. That's Peter's found a way to make it sound so fucking American. Okay, so American version of, of Kenyan food. They're basically chicken nuggets made out of goat, they but with no breading. Nothing like that. They don't look anything like it, but what think about are what they are. What talking Think about. about what they are. They're, they're cubed bites little of bits. Meat. Of... They're not cubed. They're like the, uh, the size of a 50 cent piece, and they're meat, and they're seasoned. So they're basically chicken nuggets without the breading. And they're made of goat. They're goat nuggets. The Western gaze. It's incredible. It Everything just... is through the Western gaze with me. Yeah. I am the Western gaze. I am the Western gaze. I am become Western gaze. Oh my god. Okay, so... I didn't eat a lot of goat growing up because it wasn't always special occasions. Like, that was... Like, this is just, like, the daily food we would eat. So that was on my mom's side. But, like... As we got older, my mom started experimenting more with American recipes. <laughs> so I actually, we started eating like roast, like oven roasted meat with like potatoes and carrots and onion and all that, some uh, cabbage or whatever. We started eating roast and um, and a lasagna and what else would she make? like hamburger helper because it was quick we were a busy family of five like with three kids that helper yeah that helper was quick meal um she made a she made fruit pizza which was like sugar cookie uh sugar cookie mix like spread out on a pan with like the cream cheese frosting or something like that i don't know if it was cream cheese it was some type of a frost over it and then like fruit all over it so she would make that for dessert pretty often okay i gotta point out anytime that i encountered one of those fruit pizzas that you just talked about i always thought the people who cooked that were rich 
I thought that was rich people. I thought only rich people got I mean, fruit pizza. Not that you're wrong necessarily because so we weren't working class, but like fruit's pretty expensive, mm-hmm. and there were like kiwis and blueberries. Yep. Like she had oh, all of about. the strawberries, kiwis, all of the yeah. fruits on there. Yep, every color of fruit. So I did not know that growing up. I was not aware of my privilege growing up um, in that way. At least in terms, I was aware of my privilege in relation to, like, Kenya. I was hyper aware of that. But I was not aware of my privilege in relation to other people, how other people live in the United States. So that class consciousness is a more recent development um, in adulthood. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, like, we talk about, like, class consciousness as it pertains to food as well. Oh, for sure, yeah. The, the fruit pizza was something that I only saw if our school had a special function right Mm -hmm. and somebody's parents brought it in and i'd be like oh shit that's like their family must have a lot of money if they're bringing the fruit pizza damn yeah right that's kind of i don't know what i'm feeling right now i don't know like it gives me a mixture of sadness but it's not a pity sadness if that makes sense it's just a sadness that like not all kids can have fresh fruit in their homes And it makes me goes bad quick. Think of like baby Peter, and it makes me want to feed him, like force feed him, fresh fruit. Oh, don't worry. When little Peter saw the fruit pizza, he got his. He got his. <laughs> Goblin mode. I love you. Yeah. I love you so much. Um, okay, that was enough on my mom's side. On my dad's side, one of the key dishes I would call this the keystone. Um, dish that he would make for us especially in the mornings was rice butter sugar and milk and i have a lot of like fond memories of this so my dad would wake up really early and wake us up for school my mom liked to sleep so she literally always slept in like i don't really remember her ever waking me up for school um and he would wake us up and make us breakfast while we would be getting ready And I would come downstairs and see the rice. He would make us rice with butter, add the sugar, and pour as much milk as we wanted in there. And we would mix it up and eat it. And it was just quick, easy, and Peter kind of alerted me to this, that I was not aware. So my dad grew up fairly poor, actually, um, in Oklahoma. And, you know, rice is a cheap food, and this is not something that my mom was aware of. Like, my, this is not a dish that my mom concocted. Like, this was very much my dad, like, feeding us. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, feeding kids, like, rice and adding the sugar and the butter is a, a, a way of, like, giving kids something sweet to eat mm-hmm. that they'll enjoy, but it's also cheap, but it fills mm-hmm. their belly for the day. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, a mix of how class and how families blend and how those interactions are but you know you just reminded me of another childhood food that i had similar to the rice butter sugar deal we had cinnamon toast Mm -hmm. where basically my mom would make toast every morning butter it put a little cinnamon and sugar on it and then that was breakfast Mm -hmm. for years but yeah i think Placating kids with something cheap and sugary is totally a working class folks thing or a poor class folks thing. It reminds me of a story that I heard a long time ago, and I'm not going to remember the source of it, but it was about a woman who she was, she'd gotten married, she'd had some kids, and she was really excited to cook dinners that she had when she was a kid for them, right? 
and one night she made a just a huge thing of cherry cobbler mm-hmm. and her kids just ate it up when she served it her husband was like where's the meal like this is dessert like where's the meal and where's she where's the dinner where's the dinner yeah and she thought about it and she was like holy shit we had this for dinner when i was a kid cuz we didn't have money for actual dinner and we wanted to keep the kids happy so my mom would just take that canned cherry preserve stuff make a big cobbler and then all the kids would be happy because they got cobbler but in reality we were so fucking poor that we couldn't afford a meal kids didn't know any better and then she realized that after she got married when she was a kid she was actually really really poor Mm. that's really is it okay that that story makes me sad yeah I think when she told it, the point of it was to say, like, hey, things aren't like that anymore, but when I was a kid, yeah, this is how life was. Now that life's not like that, I realize things are much different. But yeah, that whole, like, I guess serving dessert as dinner is kind of a Great Depression thing, mm-hmm. you know? So if you grew up in the Depression, you very likely had dessert for dinner at some point. Mm-hmm. So that would be the taste of your childhood would be, you know, canned cherry preserve cobbler. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of sickly sweet sugary cherry taste would be the yeah. taste of your childhood. Yeah. Instead, I got canned masala. <laughs> Sorry, marsala. Moving on up in the world. Yeah, moving on up in the world. Hey, I'm better than those people because at least we had dinner. God damn it. <laughs> Isn't that sick? Isn't that a sick way of thinking of things? Mm-hmm. So I interrupted you. Oh, I mean, I, sh- I think I was done. Like, there were a lot of things that we ate that I associate with childhood, like the rice, butter, sugar, my mom's food. every fruit pizza. Fruit pizza. For a while, on Wednesdays, my dad would make hamburgers every Wednesday. Um, Ooh, I got we another were really one. little. Another one that is a taste of my childhood is pan-seared pork chops, rice, and peas. Mm. And the rice would have butter on it, and there'd be ketchup on the side, because you'd d- dip your pork chop in ketchup. Mm-hmm. But then also you would mix the ketchup with the rice, and that's another flavor. Like gross, Peter. Hey, that's kid food. It's just kid food. You put ketchup on anything, it becomes kid food. Yeah, you're right. I know. I'm trying to open my mind. I put ketchup on my mac and cheese on the reg. You're nasty. No, it was delicious. You're so nasty. It was so good. Oh my God, you're disgusting. I know, know, but it was good. I'm I'm a nasty bitch. Well, as a small child, I was also a nasty bitch. Yeah, you were. I am still a nasty bitch. Yeah, you are. The nastiest. Indeed. So, the... (laughs) The... The, uh, I'm feeling like Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker right now. Just like can't stop laughing kind mm-hmm. of pain. Um, yeah. So the taste of ketchup mixed with butter and rice is totally a childhood flavor memory. Mm. If, I were to, if I were to eat that right now, I'd be transported back to 1997. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm kind of curious... What does it make you feel as we talk about these 
childhood memories in these foods. Honestly, I've gotten choked up a couple times just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. There's something about food that stirs so much emotion. Mm-hmm. Especially when you really think about, like, especially when you think about who you were at that time and why you were eating what you were eating. Mm-hmm. It really makes you think about where you were then and where you are now. It makes you think, or it makes me think about how my parents were going through their own thing when we were, when I was young. Because I bet they ate a different way before they had kids Mm -hmm. compared to after. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of the things that were cooked were cooked just for me Mm -hmm. at that point. So there's kind of a nostalgia. There's kind of a bittersweetness. There's kind of a realization of class. There's a lot going on there. I feel a realization as well of like... So we're in our, I just turned 30, Peter's 32. We um, are adulting, like I think officially. Um, And, you know, I see what a daily grind it is to like, you know, cook a fresh dinner every night and Mm -hmm. do the dishes so that we save money and we're not eating out all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's a chore that we've turned into something beautiful because we kind of like, cook dinner together sometimes or we make dinner time like a time of coming together Mm -hmm. right and like it feels more like community time or bonding time but like when I think about the slog my parents had of like just taking care of like three kids and running around and taking us to activities and um having to cook dinner every night because most nights we either cook dinner uh Sometimes we had leftovers mixed in, but like when I think about the love and the care and the effort, mostly the effort that went into feeding us every night, it makes me just really appreciate that effort that they, they made. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like, I know that that's something the kids take for granted that you can only appreciate really in adulthood is like, wow, they really fed us. Like they fed us every night. Like, yeah, that's, what, that's incredible. What clearer sign of love do you need than cooking regularly for another person? Like it, it really takes a lot. But as an adult, that's something you understand. As a child, it's just something you deserve. Like, because I mean, not all kids eat every night. Let's be real. But like, kids require even more than that, right? They require like attention and affection and. Um, you know, listening to them and, and playing with them. Like, kids require so much more than just the food. But as an adult, you realize, like, even just the, the bare minimum of just feeding your kid. So you reminded is, me of something yeah. just now that kind of makes me angry. In the part of Kansas that we're in, northeast Kansas, suburb of Kansas City, we're in Johnson County. It's one of the wealthier counties in the nation. And when I was in high school, our... High school was a blue ribbon school. You know, George W. Bush administration handed out awards for No Child Left Behind. You did so Mm -hmm. well on your testing. You deserve an award and all that sort of stuff. When I was in school, I think we had 10% of students were on lunch assistance, Mm -hmm. something along those lines. Nowadays, it's like 40% in our community. 
that those kids are on lunch assistance. So 10 to 40%. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And there are kids that have lunch debt at their school. Meaning when it comes time for them to graduate, some of them will not get their diploma until they've paid off the debt for the food that kept them alive while they were learning. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most criminal things I can think of. Mm-hmm. How, how bad do we need to nickel and dime poor kids? Mm-hmm. We don't. As a society, we don't. Those lunches could be free. Mm-hmm. I, I would gladly pay an extra penny on my sales tax every time I made a transaction if that meant those kids didn't go fucking hungry. It's, it's a crime. It, you, you can't expect a child to learn well, to, to succeed as well as they possibly could if they're fucking hungry. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, I had to tack that on at the end because, goddamn, I may have been eating chicken marsala out of a jar, but at least I had fucking food. Yeah. At least I'd never, like, I never went to lunch debt. I remember my parents would send me to, what was it? It would be... They'd send me $10 a week for food, mm-hmm. and I would just use that. If I didn't, if, if you don't have that kind of support today, you get not only put in debt, but shamed. You get given a cold lunch. You get the hot lunch taken away from you, and you get given a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, if anything at all. Mm-hmm. If we're treating our children like that, we're not successful as a country. It's just, there, there's no two ways about it. If you're, if you have a subset of children go hungry, you're not a first world nation at that point. You don't deserve it. You're, you're a shithole country. Yeah. 